Welcome to the SBS Cycling Central podcast, first podcast of the year. Yes, first podcast of the year. And what a year it will be. And then we start in the streets of Beninion in Victoria, near Ballarat, for the National Road Championship. And we have a, a special podcast coming from the streets of Beninion today. And with uh, pretty much the entire crew of what uh, you've been exposed to this year at uh, the podcast. I'm Christophe Malay and I'm your host. Uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download or stream our podcast on sbs.com.au slash cycling central or on our SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash cycling central. So it's a bit like uh, the cycling central podcast is taking to the field today. We're in uh, Beninion near Ballarat, hometown of Pacho. Hey, Pat. Hey, guys. It's uh, great to do it here, actually. It's actually really interesting when we take it on the road. I enjoyed it at the Cycling Australia Awards uh, afternoon as well. It sort of gives it a bit more realistic feel than sitting in the studio. And Dave looks a lot more attractive with a bit of sun on him. Well, well, yeah, and I was just going to add in, I mean, the Cycling Australia one must have been good, but hey, now that I'm back, we're just taking it to another night, aren't we? Let's make a proper podcast, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, let, yeah. now we'll do a real podcast. It's cheeky. Uh, in the end, Alexander Edmondson, a worthy winner, but that was tight, but did he lead that race very well? He did. Look, I don't think we can say in the history of the national championships being here on this great Bunningon course that there's never been a worthy winner. It just, you've got to be so honest uh, to get around this course. You have to be a good bike rider. You have to be tactical. You have to be a tactician. You've got to be strong. You've got to be able to climb to a degree. And that's what Alex Edmondson did. He's not the best climber in the race, potentially not the best bike rider in the race, but he rode tactically so smart. He had the backing of his team as well. He had good teammates, and that's another element you need. And he nailed all that. Let's listen to uh, Alexander Edmondson just after the win. Uh, absolutely speechless. I think it's yeah, it's been an absolute dream of mine. Uh, I guess every cyclist growing up, you always want to be able to wear the green and gold. Um, so, I, yeah, it's a, a magical day that I, I'm not going to forget for a hell of a long time. And yeah, about halfway through, I felt felt pretty good. So I was talking to Matty Heyman, who was the captain for today, and um, I said, "Look, I feel good. What do I need to do?" Um, And he said, look, if you can, just follow. And uh, I saw my mate Chris Harper go, and I know he's in ripping shape. So uh, as soon as I saw him go, I was like, this is the wheel I need to get on. And look, I, we rode pretty touch and go. The team wanted me to drop, uh, either leave him and go solo, or uh, they were going to work for Caleb. So I was a, a bit uh, second-guessing myself. But I knew that if I came down to a sprint, I could stay away, that uh, I'd be able to get him, as I know that he's not the best of all sprinters, but I had to get there. Um, so, look, I think it's uh, it was a pretty challenging last couple of laps, um, but I'm yeah, absolutely amazed to be able to throw my, my hands in the air. So we just heard from Alexander Edmondson, the new road national champion. He just said that he's worth second-guessing second on, on what he should be doing in those last um, dying moments of the race. What, how, how did you read that race, Pat? Well, if we recap, there was a breakaway that established earlier. It got out to seven minutes, and it was actually Simon Gerrans, of all people. Everyone thought he was the favourite for the race, but he drove it up the climb, and he brought the break back a minute back to six. And then the following lap, and a further minute and a half, and it was from there that the race really started to take shape. BMC really controlled it. And that probably goes outside of the story today, that BMC really made the race what it was. And then it was Chris Harper and the um, unknown, but the smoky that I thought could have a chance. He, he hit over the top of the King of the Mountain. Simon Clark counted that, and then he recounted Simon Clark's move. Something very impressive by the young rider from South Australia. He was joined by Alex Edmondson, his best mate. Almost like brothers they are, and I think that's what Alex Edmondson meant, that he was in two minds, because in one way he was sort of doing over his brother. 
but in the other way, he was doing what was in the best interest for his team. And, and Alex Edmondson deserves the championship, not because of how he rode at the end of the race, but how he rode two laps to go on the King of the Mountain. When Harper looked like he was losing his legs a bit, I think you would say the same, Aga. He really rode a climb like a climber that lap. Yeah, well, also, though, basically, what you're proving is you're just a dirtbag. You'd hang your best mate out to dry, <laughs> which I would do. I mean, if it's a national championship at state, you have to go. You have to go with, uh, that's quite funny. You know it's true. That's why you're laughing. But you have to you have to do what team orders are, don't you, in all seriousness. And, and you've hit it on the head, Pat. That's You have to follow team orders. And the other part of that friendship, and because they know each other so well, they've done so many training rides together, raced together, etc. He knew he could beat Chris Harper in the, if it came to a sprint finish. He just had to finish with him. But also, in the end, Chris Harper makes a move in that final 800 metres. He wins the national title for Alex Edmonds, and he wouldn't have won if Chris Harper didn't make that last surge of pace. Secondarily that, Chris Harper wouldn't have been on the podium either. So he had Chris Harper also had to make a serious sacrifice today for the better good for himself. He's now on the podium. He's on all international media and he'll be renowned around Europe for this uh, summer. Who's this Chris Harper? And the new sponsor, Benelong. They've just, they've just, uh, they've started the year off pretty good, well, haven't they? And that team, which you're a part of as well, in, there've been various names over many years. I'm super impressed with the management, Pat, and you, you can probably touch a bit more on that than me, but it is an impressive team that just develops, keeps on developing great young talent. Well, on the stage commentary at one point, I said Haas is attacked. He's being followed by O'Connor. Hamilton then next. Then it's Pat Lane in there as well as these other riders. Hang on a minute. They're all my ex-teammates. So the first nine riders in the group, Nathan Earl, was included in that. Yeah. Um, it's incredible to see that that uh, Andrew Christie Johnson and Steve Price development team over the years has been called several different names. But in that final 12 riders that were left in the race when there was 12 left, nine were their alumni. Talking about BMC, uh, how much do you think Port wanted that jersey and how much is he, let's say, gutted tonight? No, I don't think he'll be super gutted. Um, I think if he had to finish second by an inch, yes, totally, he would have been. But I think his form's very good, considering when we think back to what happened in July and then how long it took him to get back. His first race back was the Japan Cup race, I think, in October. He's had a third place in the individual time trial. He's on track. Richie Port's on track. I don't want to say it like... I don't want it to sound like a, a backhanded compliment, but I think he held back in the time trial to be less visual to these competitors today because Richie Port rode today a lot better than his result in the time trial uh, displayed. And furthermore to that, I think you're right, Megan. He's going exceptionally well for this time of the year. But unfortunately, this proves that this course is tough, but it's not real hard because a pure climber still struggles to win here. Yeah, and that's what's great about it. That's, you know, the sprinters that sort of ha had, have, um, you know, voiced their distaste of this course over the years, there's loads of sprinters that haven't won here. And we've just seen another one today. He's not a sprinter. He's quick. He's a, he's a pursuit background, etc. Miles Scottson last year. So I just think, yeah, it adds all of the elements. And that's what's good about this course. So, Mike, I think uh, I know you've got to go. So we're just going to let you go. You come back in a, in a sec for the end of this podcast. But we will welcome Sophie in a sec. See you in a, see you in a sec, Mike. Give me a jiffy. And do not you dare keep going without me. Jiffy, jiffy back? No, just, mate. I'll be back in a minute, all right? You French me. And we welcome Sophie, Sophie Smith, here uh, in Ballarat, in Boninyong. Hi, Sophie. Bonjour. And why do you say that with such surprise? Because, yeah. big, no. <laughs> yeah. Because no, we, we have a full lineup today. We've got Pat. Long time since we've heard you in a podcast. 
Yeah, well, December's always busy in a local bike shop, and uh, so I've been very busy in December. But it's great to be back on the ground, and particularly here at the national championships in my hometown. Well, there's a real buzz in the in the air, and particularly today, you know, we've seen some brilliant racing from the elite women and under 23 women. So let's recap a bit what's been happening, especially for the women. So uh, in the elite women, we got a local winner. We had a local winner, all right, Shannon Melseed. And last year, she rode really well in this uh, championships. But she really sacrificed all those pleasantries all year. And she's really come here fit this year. And, well, she timed her sprint to perfection. It was Catherine Garfield that made the move. A kilometre and a half to go. Many thought the race was done then, but her gap wasn't big enough. And they chased hard, and she timed her sprint to perfection, just beating Lauren Kitchen. And in third, the National Road Series rider for the Holden Racing Team, Grace Brown. It was a brilliant championship. Sophie, is that surprising for you that um, Catherine Garfield is actually not wearing uh, the jersey tonight? I think it was a surprise for a lot of people. She went in as like sort of odds-on favourite. And as Pat said, I think the commentators were even calling that, you know, it was race one and one. They started going through her, her Palmas and, and Shannon sort of just come over the, the top of her. But I asked Shannon that straight past the finish line, did you think you'd be a gold medalist coming into the race today? And she quietly backed herself. I don't think, you know, on paper, she might not have been someone that the average punter would have said, oh yeah, she's a chance. But she said herself, I think the word she used was sneaky. She said she's uh, sneaky in the bunch. Um, and I think she raced really intelligently today. Sneaky, do you think it's because she's she's young? She's a young rider? Is that, does that still come with age or not? I think she used sneaky, but what she really mean was that she believed in the process. Look, I've been very lucky to be privy to her preparation, particularly for the 12 months. You know, she was National Road Series champion in 2017, the year just gone past. She had a, a good stint two months in Europe. She's had all the process and the progression you require to become a better athlete over 12 months. The other athletes that we were looking for, Spratt and, uh, and Garford, I think they were here fitter last year than this year. And, well, that's what happens if there's other riders that uh, work, you know, and make a bit more of a, a, a progression, which is easy to do because Spratt and Garford have been the best for a long time where Mel Seed's on the way up. So those riders uh, struggle to get the improvement percentages, but Mel Seed, Grace Brown, and, well, Lauren Kitchen, she was truly brilliant today. Breakaway all day, stuck on, and uh, with the support of Shara Gillow in that finale, she was able to run second. OK, let's have a listen to Shannon Mel Seed just after the race. It just means that I, I've ticked off one of those bucket list results that I've wanted um, in my cycling career and um, you know I turned 23 a few days ago last week and to have this under my belt so young I'm, I'm so proud of myself and I'm proud of everyone that's been involved in my development I'm just so thankful. Uh, I, I knew that I had the physical form coming into the Nationals this year. Um, I'm riding the best that I've ever ridden and uh, I knew that if I could hang on up that climb, I, I have a decent sprint on me. I'm a little bit sneaky, um, so I definitely knew that I had a chance and that's all I needed. Uh, I'm proud to be call myself a local Ballarat girl, but also um, shout out to everyone at home in Portland who's watching. I'm sure there's a few. Uh, yeah. So that was Australian champion Shannon Melsid and she's mentioning it in what we just heard that uh, she's very happy and would be proud to bring that jersey to the US team and when she moves to the US very soon. Indeed, it's a coveted jersey, isn't it? And I was also interested, she mentioned the Commonwealth Games because I think she's automatically qualified for that now and she was quite humble despite having just beat a really elite field to say that she'd probably have a um, support role there, which for a champion, for an Australian champion, um, is, is saying something. 
Patio uh, Ballarat boy. What, what does that mean for the for the, the area for Beninyong to have a, a local winner? Yeah, well, Shannon's moved to Ballarat, so it's fair to say that she wasn't originally born here. But what it means? Come on! Are <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you saying you yeah. I'm not Australian? <laughs> no, but no, but all I mean is that no, I don't know. I've claimed her the whole time because uh, it's more about the fact that I'm really just very happy for her as a, a person and her as an athlete. She's a brilliant person and she gives a lot back. She gave a lot back to her team in the national series this year, particularly after turn, returning from Europe. And well, it's great to see some, someone else win rather than just the big hitters from Europe. And maybe, maybe just maybe, this is the arrival of Shannon Melseed and maybe she's the Amanda Spratt that goes forward from today. Okay, what, what uh, would have been also some of the highlights of, of this week? Of course, the, uh, in, the, the integration of paracycling in the event now, uh, that, that's making the event even bigger. That, that's probably not the only positive of that, that week. There's been lots of positives this week. Yeah. I think they've extended the whole championships in general and made a subtle course change. I don't know if that's overall, if the consensus will be it, it had a, made a difference the result in each race. But I, as always, I just think the field the fields for particularly the elite men's and women's race just sort of deepen every every season I know we've spoken a lot about Shannon but Garfoot like she was there until the end she was so cruisy in the morning so relaxed she went to sign on in a hoodie and a pair of like yoga pants um, and Kitchen as we said like was in that break the, the entire day and even Amanda Spratt like I know it's it's great to see new blood come up but you also have to give credit to these women um, for being consistent. And Pat, uh, what else from the under 23 and, and all the other categories that caught your eyes uh, around the week? The biggest thing that's caught my eye is the holistic inclusion of uh, paracycling and also the under-19s. And I, say, I, I really think that it's a smart move to include the under-19s uh, on this course because they get that um, the exposure to the event and this area and it's fantastic and Silent Australia's really done a great job. Also a very moving moment when uh, that minute of silence was, uh, was made. And you were there, actually, you were calling for that, that minute of, of moment for uh, Jason Lones. It's very important for the cycling community to, to remember one of its own that should have been here today. Yeah, it's very emotional, it is. It's emotional for everyone, but it, it just shows the coming together of the cycling fraternity. And incredibly, um, he should be here. He should be probably in the front group. But, you know, we remember him in the way that we remember him, and that was with a great big smile. And I think that's a great thing that he touched so many people because he was a happy person. So we're here to race the championships, and everyone was moved by the minute silence, and it was the right thing to do. Nick, uh, Nick Green uh, from Cycling Australia. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Always a pleasure to come here. Uh, quite a big event again this year planned. Yeah, it's a really exciting event. This is the biggest event we've had um, in the Road Nationals. And there's two really great themes coming out of uh, this event. One is being inclusive and that's having the para cyclists as part of the event and a wonderful addition and, and um, we're really glad to have that. And the other one is equality. Um, and today is historic because behind me when the women's race is on, that's been broadcast live. And it's the first time in the history of the event that it's been live. So um, really good themes around you know, those two elements as well as adding a lot of community activities and we want um, having a major partner, Fed Uni, who's part of the uh, community here in Ballarat. So that really brings a strong community element to the race as well. As well as the elite athletes doing what they do, and the, gee, they're good. Uh, and a Super Sunday. That's very important to have a Super Sunday. Yeah, Super Sunday. Sunday is a really big day. Um, 
And we'd like to cram more into Sunday if we can. But I think to, you know, the men's and women's elite racing is just a wonderful day. Uh, and we have people coming from all over the country. Um, for those who live in Melbourne are all jumping on their bikes and either riding up and parking themselves on the King of the Mountain. So, um, yeah, it's a great day. And how important is it to have guys like Richie Port being here, mingling with the, with the younger guns, which basically all they want is his scalp? Well, one of the decisions we made uh, recently is to bring the under-19s into the championship for, the, for that reason that the under-19s can feel part of this cycling community. And when they're racing and training, they can actually go for a ride with Richie Port and Simon Gerrans and Katrin Garford, whoever it might be, just get out on a bike and just go riding with them or talking to them or watch them. Right? Um, it's a really good learning, as well as the, you know, having the, the depth of cyclists that Australia's got. We, we know they're the world's, world's best, or well, we think they are. <laughs> We're a bit biased. Um, and having them here, uh, racing is important. And um, look, they race here because they want that jersey. They want the green and gold jersey and wear that for the rest of the year. So it's a, uh, a sought-after prize for the athletes. And that says it's all for, for cycling as a sport because none of the young tennis players play with Djokovic. Yeah. But the guys here can ride with Richie Port. It's that level. Well, that's the beauty of the sport. You know, um, I've been out riding with some of the elite riders, you know, because they'll just allow you. You just sit on there and just... I can't keep up with them, mind you, but, you know, they... They're just so embracing and, um, you know, what sport can you just ride a bike up next to someone and start talking to them about whatever um, and there's a common interest. You're out just having a great time riding your bike and it's, it's very social. So, um, yeah, we love it. Nick, thank you. Pleasure. Enjoy. And that was Nick Green from Cycling Australia. And now I'm joined in the podcast, in the SBA Cycling Central podcast, with Phil Liggett. It's like every year we meet uh, Phil Liggett here. Uh, Phil, thank you for, for popping into the, the Cycling Central podcast. It's always a pleasure, as you know, and we're seeing some good racing this time. Pretty incredible. What do you make of the, the changes of the course? Because that's been a, uh, there's been a bit of a chat around those changes. What, what do you make with your experience? Well, in the women's race, uh, clearly there were six or seven girls that could not get away from each other towards the end. So it, maybe the, the climb has just been cut out because of the extension to the actual race circuit has made a difference. I quite like it. Um, because once you're over the top of Mount Bunningong now, with a couple of little small hills, it's not flat in the Fed Uni grounds, uh, but it's not the challenge perhaps if we were going to go a shorter circuit and up the hill. I think the circuit uh, will reduce the complaints by the other types of rider who've always felt biased against because of the long climb up Mount Bunningong every, every short 10 kilometer lap. Now it's a bit longer, a little bit flatter towards the line. A local winner that that beat some of the best Prats and in uh, Garfoot, where in the end they, they're not in a, they're not wearing the jersey tonight. No, the the, the outstanding favourites. I think um, their reputations were not respected by a handful of women out there who were willing to go out and race. The other two felt they were in control and they took the attacks to those, uh, but they couldn't unhitch them. And I thought it made a very good race, and I'm glad to see that when you get. Uh, when you have to challenge the women who are on world tour teams um, and you're not afraid to do that then this is the sort of result you get now Sharon Malsey the winner she's only 23 and you know she's been an Oceania champion but never at this level of cycling really and I know a new team which she's just won for the Tipco team which comes from California area and uh, I raise money for that team every year when I'm in America and I know the owner of that team is a girl from Canada called Linda Jackson and Linda was a bronze medalist in the World Championships many, many years ago. Very clever lady. She's been, uh, worked in banking most of her life, but her heart's still with women cycling. And uh, she signed Sharon Mal Malseed at the end of last year, give her the chance to ride with her this season. She will be over the moon that she's won the green and gold of Australia. 
and we'll all get together next week in Adelaide where they're all riding the Tour Down Under women's event. And how much respect will she gain with, with fellow teammates or new teammates uh, bringing that jersey to, to the team as, as she comes in? She, she walks in with the jersey. Oh, they'll be over the moon with her because the, in fairness to the Tipco team, they're just below the top level teams in the world. Uh, because they haven't got the money or the budget of the big teams, uh, like, for example, Mitchell and Scott. Uh, but they do get the rides. They've never been to Australia before. They're making their first appearance as a team in the uh, Tour Down Under women's event. And so they're going to be Alex? over them. I can't imagine how Linda is celebrating. Okay, let's talk about uh, just the start of the men's race. Mm. Uh, very, very emotional moment with a, a minute of silence for uh, Jason Lowe, which uh, tragically was killed uh, just a few, a few weeks ago. Uh, this is this is this is so important because he was going to race this uh, this race. Uh, very, very emotional. You must have been emotional as well. Yes, I am because uh, I knew Jason. His father came up to me two days ago and said, "Do you remember talking to my son?" I said, "Yeah." He was only uh, about 12 years of age, I think, and he was said he would be a cycling champion. And, uh, and Graham, his father, we did a tribute ride on the circuit a couple of days ago, some 500 people at least. And Graham was... It's really helped the family uh, get to grips with the emotions of the day because they've realised how liked uh, Jason was within the community of cycling. I hope some good comes out of the ashes of Jason because he, he was killed through no fault of his own simply by the fact he was riding his bicycle on a public highway. He was struck from behind and uh, the girl that hit him, she never set out that day to injure anyone but she apparently made a mistake. And so I feel a degree of sadness for her. But no, at the end of the day, we have to have an understanding with people in cars that they must give cyclists room. Uh, because we're all sharing the road and it's, an, it's a daily problem now all over the world. I was very sorry for family. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one last question because we have to talk about this. Uh, uh, this irregular reading for, uh, for Chris Froome over the, the last couple of weeks. Uh, as, as, a, as, a as a professional around the world of cycling for so many years, you must have seen this so many times. What are your thoughts? I'm very, very sad and disappointed uh, that he's come up with this abnormal reading uh, with salbutamol um, because the world, outside of the cycling circles, will see him now as a drug taker. And, and I don't think that's the case as far as Chris Froome is confirmed. He's a brilliant bike rider. And I know him pretty well. And in, in early December, I was with him here in Australia, down in the Snowies. He came and I did two cycling clinics with him. And he must have known then... Uh, but it wasn't public knowledge, so he said nothing. A week later, it came out in the newspapers that he'd given this uh, abnormal reading, uh, twice the limit. And, but it is a specified drug, uh, which uh, means that he's not taking a drug to boost performance. He's taking a drug so he can compete. But the fact of the matter is, and the bottom line is, he was twice the limit of the allowed amount of the drug. Now, even at twice the limit, what the public don't seem to understand is, it still isn't performance enhancing. It clears the airwaves. It makes his lungs clear and breathe normally. It doesn't make the lungs take in 10 times the amount of fresh air. So I, uh, I rather feel he's going to get slammed, and, and I feel very sorry for him, but somebody on the team has made the mistake. And the trouble is that Sky is the world's most secretive team. They want to tell you nothing. They're walking under a cloud all of the time because they simply don't clarify things. I think in general, the world is against the squad. And so I don't uh, feel very good about the outcome for Chris. 
And the fact that he, he, he came out and said, I'm going to go for the Giro, I'm going to go for the Tour, at a time that he probably already knew something was not completely right. Do, do you think there was a bit of peer pressure from Sky on that end, or was it just a simple mistake? I, I think it's probably a simple mistake as far as the administration goes. But no, from everybody, from what the, his ambitions are, I mean, he's, he's, from what I've seen in his quotes, he just has brushed it to one side. He remains focused for his targets. As you say, he wants the Giro Tour de France double. Uh, if he wins uh, four consecutive Grand Tours, he goes into the record books alongside Merckx and uh, Bernard Eno as the only guys. Nobody's ever won the three Grand Tours in the same year. That could be in the back of his mind. But it can all blow up in his face if they take this, uh, the Tour of Spain off him. Uh, by when they announce whatever they're going to announce. Thank you, Phil. Okay. Uh, thank you, Phil. It's always a pleasure uh, talking to, to you, Phil Liggett. We've got now in uh, next to us, it's uh, Brady O'Donnell. Uh, what a race we've seen today, both women's race and men's race. So good today. It was really extraordinary. I think we were always watching the teams that had the numbers, Mitchelton Scott in, in the women's race and both Mitchelton Scott, BMC, Drapak in the men's race. But thrilling finishes, thrilling final laps, um, relentless attacks by both the women's race and the men's race. And in many ways, riders that we probably wouldn't have picked to be our winners. So it was an outstanding day. If we talk about the, the, the men's race, uh, this victory by Alexander in Munson, I mean, he rode that superbly well. Well, he talked about how he felt during the race, but we didn't have that inclination. And I actually thought, no, he doesn't, he doesn't look good enough. And when he attacked and Harper went with him with two laps to go, I felt like it might have been one of those suicide attacks, but really he just has that face where he looks like he's suffering. Uh, he obviously had the team numbers and then he had Cam Meyer controlling the pace in that chase group with Ewan on his back wheel as a, a backup plan. So all the stars aligned, but he had the courage, the relentless attack, and he just worked his ass off. So I'm so happy for him. Uh, talking about Caleb, I mean, uh, we know he's going to be at the Tour de France. How much would he have want to bring that jersey to the right, to the roads of France? And even though it's his teammate that, that's won, deep down, he, he can't argue that he's probably a bit disappointed. I'm sure he is. And, and he looked comfortable climbing all day long. On those 16 laps, every time up the climb, he looked great and he was in good position. You can see, though, that his presence in that front group actually did affect a lot of those individual riders and probably made them not want to attack and bring that group back together. So he was almost undoing himself by not being brought to the right position. And that's the curse, I suppose, of being the fastest guy. And you're right, I'm sure he'd be thrilled for Edmo, but he'd also be really disappointed that he wouldn't be there at his first Tour de France. I mean, he's had, come second here before. He's got the capacity to win. And Richie, do you think uh, that would have been the, the ultimate story of shaking that monkey of his back of two, 2017, making 2018 already brilliant? It would have been, but I think we need to be really careful about how long it's taken him to get back from recovering from a pelvic fracture from July. I mean, he only did his first race, I believe, in December. Uh, so this has been a bit of a form finder for him. And, and without that race exposure and that real top end, he won't be at his best. But that could also do him really good favours for July of 2018. So you're telling me Toblerone is not the magic potion? <laughs> I don't want to tell you what to eat, but you can tell Richie's not eating any Toblerone. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Brady. Merci à vous. Thank you, uh, Bridie. Okay, it's nearly the end of this podcast. Uh, it's been it's been a brilliant day, a super Sunday. Uh, Mac, are you joining us back in this uh, in this podcast? Just to conclude, uh, final word with you. Um, you enjoyed the day. Look, I enjoyed the day. I enjoyed the whole week, and I know this is I'm digressing and going a little bit off kilter of this day and weekend. I spent a day covering the para-cyclists, the para-athletes, and that was a massive highlight for me. There was hardly anyone out there watching them, and it was my job to go there. I didn't 
go there by choice. I was I was uh, scheduled to go there. I'll make that very clear. But I had an absolute blast, and they are some of the true champions of this whole week of racing. And you, Pat? Well, we spoke about that, and Macker and I had a bit of a chat about it this morning. And I ran into Carol Cook, and I spoke to her, and I told her what you told me, and she was absolutely blown away. Though the the parallel athletes have said how amazing the buzz has been this week. Also, the under-19s have a little think about Sarah Gigante, three from three. It's never been done at the championships before, and now she goes on. So I think Mac is completely right. The racing here, we expected it to be primo, but the uh, para-athletes and the under-19s were the content that we we probably lacked these years, and we realised that this year now that it's been added. So as this event builds more and more, we're realising that this holistic approach to cycling is the key to going forward. And you know what? It's the first podcast of 2018 for us. I think we're looking forward to an amazing year. Oh, gee, many more. I mean, how many can we fit in a year? Well, we can fit 365 if you want. I think management's got its own idea. but <laughs> Well, it could be a busy summer, though, because we've got TDU and we've got the Herald Sun Tour coming up in the coming weeks, as well as the Cadell Evans Grey Ocean Road Race. We are absolutely blessed in Australia in the summer for the cycling, and then we head straight into the Classics and the Com Games. I think twenty eight. I reckon 2018 is going to be an absolute beauty. Oh, my suitcase is packed already. Let's go. And this is it for the Cycling Central podcast this week. Uh, Christophe Mallet, I've been your host. On behalf of everybody else in the crew, I would like to thank you, all our listeners, all the support we've been getting over the years. And we are sure planning something short of extraordinary for 2018. Just stay tuned. You're going to be blown away with what we have in preparation for you guys. Thank you for listening. You can uh, download or stream this podcast on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash central, or from our website sbs.com.au slash central until the next episode which is going to be in two weeks and it's goodbye from the streets of Beninyong. Mm-hmm.